Hello, and welcome to the Investing on the Go podcast. I'm Chris Sarley, and today we're joined by Job Curtis, manager of the elite-rated City of London Investment Trust. Thank you for joining us today. Good morning. Thank you. Um, the trust has the best track record of any investment trust for, for dividend increases, having raised its dividend for 54 consecutive years now. Um, and it's been able to achieve this by dipping into its revenue reserves on occasions when, when income has really been hard to come by. Um, obviously, this year, 2020 is a prime example as, as UK dividends have sort of been slashed sort of indiscriminately across the board due to, to lockdown and sort of unforeseen circumstances. Um, I, I guess the first place to start is, I mean, could you talk us through how the companies you've held, you hold have held up and maybe how much of the revenue reserve you've used this year and how much you still have left given the challenges that are ahead? Yes, this has been a very difficult year for dividends and almost half of FTSE 100 companies have a cut or pass their dividends during, during the course of the year. The core of our portfolio was very solid. Our biggest sort of group is consumer staples. These are the makers of everyday products. And in fact, the three biggest holdings in the fund are BAT, Diageo and Unilever. And that's been a very solid area for dividends. Some 22% of our portfolio includes supermarket groups like Tesco and, and Morrison in, in that category. Uh, then, you know, we have 9% of pharmaceuticals, again, again, very solid. And other areas have been defensive, like utilities and um, telecommunications, the overseas stocks we hold there. So, uh, but having said that, you know, we have been affected inevitably um, in two areas, particularly weakness for the banks, whether banned from paying dividends and we've had to reduce them and because they're much better conditioned they were in financial crisis but they are leveraged institution sensitive economic activity and also travel and leisure where we took a view this area would be very hard hit and slow to recover because of social distancing so we did reduce in those areas so in all we we took about 14 million uh, from our, our revenue reserves so it did help you know we've been putting into revenue reserves for the last six or seven years and so uh, you know, they're there for a rainy day. And if ever was a rainy day for dividends, this was it. But we still, um, having taken 14 million out, we still got around 46 million, 45 million in um, in revenue reserves. So, um, you know, and we, we do uh, model different scenarios of dividends and not, we have three main scenarios. And even on the most pessimistic, our revenue reserves would be sufficient for the next four years. So, um, so we, we think we are in, you know, we've used the advantage of investment trust to to use its revenue reserves to increase our dividend by two percent, as well as the dividends we receive from the core of our companies, which have been very strong. You mentioned that the three base scenarios. Could you maybe talk us through your outlook for dividends for for next year, and which scenario you think is perhaps most likely of the three, and maybe talk us through some of the companies that have perhaps started reinstating dividends, or, or have they, and, and maybe just talk us a bit through the the outlook for that as well. Yeah, I think it's been a huge reset with, um, you know, a lot of dividend cuts uh, across the market and, and some companies, you know, it was the outlook was so unclear, um, you know, in, in April, March, that May, that um, there were some companies who could perfectly easily have paid a dividend and didn't pay a dividend at that point. So we actually have seen um, in the autumn, in the half year, bought these companies, quite a few dividends coming back from the portfolio. I mean, examples in our portfolio would be BAE Systems, the big defence contractor, uh, Direct Line Insurance Group, Ferguson, which is a very big builders merchants in, in America. And these are all companies which really out of an abundance of caution didn't pay dividends back in um, April, May. And they fact not just paid their interim dividend, also kind of paid us the dividend that, that we were owed back back in that period. So I think there's been I think there's been a large reset. I'm pretty confident 
most of the big companies that were going to cut their dividend have, have done so. Um, so it's kind of more of a question of going forward, you know, what to what extent do 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 dividends just flatline and do do nothing um from here, or do we make a modest recovery, do we make quite a good recovery? I mean, so far the science has been quite good. We've actually had quite a good recovery. Um, in uh, over the last couple of months with companies coming back to the dividend list and only time will tell and obviously a lot depends on how the economy recovers um, but overall I'm, I'm very confident we've seen the worst of it and certainly the short-term indications are that uh, we're, we're getting to enjoy quite a nice recovery in dividends. Um, I wanted to perhaps look at a couple of sectors in a bit more detail so perhaps could we we talk about oil and tobacco Um You've been quoted recently as saying that the oil industry is in a state of managed decline, much like tobacco has been over the, the past decade or so. And um, obviously, you still hold both of them in your portfolio. So, so maybe tell us: is it possible to make money from these industries that are in decline, and, and if so, how? Yes, it certainly is possible. And the tobacco sector over the years has been a very good sector for dividends and profits, despite being a declining industry. Um, you know, I still feel. Uh, this tobacco sector. I mean, we we haven't got a huge position, but we do have. Um, we are overweight BAT and Imperial brands, and um, we've about seven percent of the portfolio in tobacco. And this is a very good area for dividends, and um, helps underpin our, our dividend commitment. And uh, you know, they are managed. They've been very good at managing decline. The, the leading companies in that sector. I mean, oil and gas. I think the issue is this transition to a kind of greener economy with more electricity and. You know, in the long run, it, it probably does mean a decline in demand for oil and gas. But I think it's going to be quite a slow process. We're very dependent on oil. And it's a question of how well the companies manage it. If they can, you know, you spend cap, their capital expenditure more efficiently um, and target it in a, in a more efficient way, then that could be quite positive for, for investor returns. I mean, it's a huge area. We, we are actually underweight um, compared to the index in oil and gas. So we've got less than the market averages in both both Shell and BP who both cut their dividends. Um, but they're probably cut back to a level which they can really afford now. They were probably too high previously. Uh, so I'm not inclined to sell out of it at these levels. And I'm hoping it's still an unknown how they do manage transition. They, they've talked, both companies have talked about investing more in renewables and there's a lot of uncertainty about what kind of returns they can achieve in that. So um, you know, we're, we're underweight, but we do have we do have some exposure in, in oil and gas through Shell and BP. And maybe could you touch upon what your outlook is for the UK generally at the moment? I mean, obviously there's another Brexit deadline looming and we've had the sort of the Damocles of Brexit hanging over the economy for, for a number of years now. Um, we've also got a number of local lockdowns and, and the government's also starting to replace some of its schemes with, you know, generous schemes, shall we say, with less generous ones. I mean, <clears throat> does that worry you? Does that impact you? How, how are you approaching that? Yeah, I mean, the Brexit is is a difficult one. You know, it's just so hard to read with, you know, the rhetoric from, you know, both sides and obviously the people laying down their kind of negotiating position of what the real true position is. But it's certainly, you have thought it's in both the interests of the UK and the EU to, to have a deal. You know, it's got, you know, both sides would benefit from a from a deal. So one, one is hopeful that, you know, one, one will be reached. Um, I think it, in terms of the, the economy, I mean, it's, we, obviously we've had a lot unprecedented lockdown in Q2, so GDP fell by 20%. And then as the economy reopened, we've had a very big bounce in economic activity. Some of these government schemes are rolling off or changing. Um, we've obviously had unprecedented fiscal and monetary stimulus from both the government and the Bank of England to help the economy through, you know, obviously having been locked down because of the virus. Um, 
But I think the economy, UK economy has shown quite a lot of flexibility over the years. Um, this is a really tough one being thrown at it, but it's, you know, other countries have got the same. And, um, and obviously we need to adapt to, to new circumstances, but I'm, I'm pretty confident overall, um, you know, I think the, the government's going to be very keen to avoid another national lockdown and go more the route of local lockdowns because they, they've got to weigh up both the virus and the dangers of the virus, but also the other health risks and the state of the economy generally. So um, I think we've seen the worst of it, but it's, um, it's obviously very uncertain. And uh, in terms of a vaccine, we, our experts within our company are confident the vaccine will be come, come on the market probably early next year. Um, but so not quite as soon as some people expect, but apparently the trials, their views, the trials are very promising in terms of vaccine. Um, and just finally, um, international sort of investors have seemed to be shunning UK equities and, and even Brits seem to be shunning the home market. I mean, the data on outflows is, is sort of quite sort of depressing, really. Um, what would you say to sort of convince people that UK PLC is still open for business and there are still strong companies to sort of take opportunities within the UK? Yeah, the UK has been very out of favour. I mean, Brexit may play some part of it, but I think it's probably, I think more recently is the fact we've, that, you know, one of our great virtues has been our dividend um, track record in the UK. And we've had so many dividend cuts as we were discussing earlier. But so I think the extent to which investors can get a feeling that actually we turn the corner on dividends. I think that could attract money, particularly people looking for income back into the market. Uh, there's no question the UK is looking very cheap relative to other markets. And, you know, if the news is not quite so bad as people are fearing and, you know, whether it's Brexit or the virus or growth generally, that um, things um, go, go slightly better than people are fearing, then, then I think, you know, the UK is set up for quite a strong bounce. That's my personal opinion. Okay, that's great, Joe. Thank you very much for joining us today. Thank you. And if you'd like to learn more about the City of London Investment Trust, please visit funcolour.com. And while you're there, remember to subscribe to the Investing on the Go podcast. Please remember, we've been discussing individual stocks to bring investing to life for you. It's not a recommendation to buy or sell. The fund may or may not still hold these stocks at your time of listening.